Hello, everyone, and welcome to Co-Ops Connect. I'm your host, Abby Carreri, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Connexon. Each episode, we bring you authentic, heartfelt stories from rural electric cooperatives deploying fiber broadband networks to serve their territories. We sit down with co-op leaders who are tackling head-on the rewards and challenges of bridging the digital divide in rural America, one mile of fiber at a time. Connexon is proud to be at the forefront of the electric cooperative fiber broadband movement, partnering with co-ops across the country to transform communities with world-class fiber internet. Our values align with the cooperative principles of sharing resources and working together to improve services and lives of the members served by our co-ops. So, no matter where you are in your broadband journey, whether you're contemplating getting started or already laying fiber cable on your network, tune in to Co-ops Connect to hear directly from the changemakers who are powering progress at the speed of light in their own rural communities. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Tim Smith, CEO of East Central Oklahoma Electric Cooperative and Ecolink, its fiber subsidiary. East Central Oklahoma is based in Okmulgee, Oklahoma, and serves more than 33,000 members. Ecolink also currently has more than 3,000 subscribers on its Fiber to the Home Network. Welcome, Tim, and thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Abby, and glad that we could be a part of this podcast. We have a lot of really rural members as well as some more urban density, higher density areas. But in total, we have 6,300 miles of line. And so with 35,000 meters, we're just over 5.4 consumers per mile of line. And that membership makeup is 80% residential and then 20% small commercial. We don't have really any industrial, large industrial loads. So that's our makeup. That's where we're located. And that's a little bit about East Central Electric. Can you tell us a little bit about you diving into the process of broadband and looking into that and um, and maybe some of the challenges you faced along the way and looking at how you were going to deploy these types of services to your membership? All of our cooperatives across the country were very structured in, in the form of our governorates with our board of trustees. And any major project like this, we've got to do our due diligence. We've got to run the financial models. We've got to identify, is this going to make money and sustain itself? So for us, the decision teetered really, and it, it was about, can we win grant money or not? And if we do, it would make it a whole lot easier to do the project. So back in 2018, you know, we did the CAF auction. We participated in that and were successful. So the 5.4 consumers, that's the overall system. But remember, we have some areas that have a lot higher density in some areas of our service area. So all combined, though, it's still 5.4. But as we made that decision to start the project, we did not choose to start in the high density areas. We started in the rural areas because those are the members that were the furthest away from any type of service. So we wanted to start there and we did. So that's what we've done. That's how we got this off the ground. But thanks to our winnings in the auction, the CAF2 auction, that decision for our board became easier. And now since then, they've asked us to go faster and get it done quicker. Tell us a little bit about your progress what you've seen as success, and then starting to build, like you said, in those less dense areas, how the take rates were and what's kind of aided in the success in marketing and educating those members about your services. Those areas, since they had no service, everyone was very excited. Before we started actual building the project, we put together Friends of Rural Electrification group each year that our board appoints or nominates to serve. 
in forming that group, we selected people that we felt like would be interested in broadband services. So we actually brought them into the cooperative and we toured a neighboring co-op, someone that was already doing broadband. And we talked about the need. We talked about the process. We talked about the benefits for everyone. And so that group really became the beginning of our champions group. We developed a group of champions of members in each area that said they would be willing to carry the message to their friends and their neighbors in their areas. And so communications from there, everything we were doing, progress we're making, we pushed that out to these champions. And that's helped spread the word. That's helped spread the uh, the whole take rate growth that we've seen. Our first year, I think we were somewhere around 14% take rate. Today, we're up to almost 35% take rate. So we're exceeding the models that were provided to us by Connexon. Actually, today, we should break 4,000 members. So we're excited to hit that 4,000 mark. And we're connecting 100 per week at this time. And the testimonies are fabulous. The members are excited. And everyone that does not have it wishes they had it yesterday. So it continues to motivate us and continues to push our project forward. And and we're really excited about that. So that's some of the things we did early on that really helped us get the message out, get the word out. And then, of course, unfortunately, the pandemic hits and it turned everybody's world upside down. And the need just skyrocketed from there. So at least we had started and at least we were moving. But yes, it's just gone up from there. You mentioned 14% take rates, and then they've excelled into upwards of 35%. So you would say that that's from lots of word of mouth and and then the pandemic. Is there anything else that you all were doing in those efforts to really help increase your take rates in those areas where you were deploying services? Well, again, we were just communicating with our members about what it is and what it can do. Of course, we didn't start. We still haven't started with video option, a television option. We're doing phone and internet. And we've had a lot of members that are now learning to stream all of their video, their television content over the internet. So I think it's mainly that we announced ahead of time that we were thinking about it. Then we announced the board decided to do it because we won a lot of grant money. And now it's going to take us, originally it was going to take us six years to do this. And we started telling that message and sharing that story. We're now on a faster pace. Our board asked us late last year to trim at least a year off of this. So we're going even faster now. So I think it's just engaging the members, engaging our members about what it is and what it can do for you and how affordable it is. So uh, it goes along with safe, reliable, affordable electric. Well, the broadband is reliable. It's fast and it's affordable. So it kind of follows that same pattern. So, you know, I've heard you before in the past speak and categorize a fiber to the home journey as another frontier, similar to the electric movement of the 30s and 40s. Can you talk a little bit about that and why the co-op is the one to deliver this service? Sure. Back in the early days, all co-ops were formed because no one wanted to build electric service to the farm outside of town. The large utilities in our country said, we can't make that model work. It's too expensive and we can't afford it. And so they neglected rural America. And that's how the cooperatives were formed early on, 80 plus years ago. So broadband is much the same. Members that we have are rural and they're not going to get high-speed internet services like the major metropolitan areas. And so they're left out with with no connectivity in a lot of cases or very slow speeds, unreliable service and very high cost. So 
no one else would do it. So that's why we're doing it. Our cooperative model is we're not out here to take businesses away from other businesses. We're here to provide a service no one else will provide that our members really need. So as we discussed this and talked about it at annual meetings, members would say, boy, you need to do this. We need something. We can't get anything that's reliable. Very slow speeds, very high cost. So that's how the model is, is mirrored. The electric side is provide something the member can't get anywhere else from anybody else. And it carries with it our brand, our level of service that they, they know we'll answer the phone. When they have a problem, we go take care of them on the electric service. And we do the same thing on the broadband side. So we're trusted. We're a trusted member of the community. And it's through our years of service that we build that reputation. And so at this point in your project, what have been a few of your biggest milestones and, and why do you consider them to be significant? Well, and I'll address that more on the uh, process side of things. One of the things that we had to learn early on is we had to increase our communication with our members. In this today world that we live in, everyone is really sensitive about who comes on their property and are they supposed to be there? Do they threaten them or they feel unsafe? So we had to really ramp that up and improve it beyond what we did on the electric side because they were used to seeing our electric trucks and they knew if the power is off, we're going to be there. But they didn't know who was out there doing engineering or make ready or fiber construction. These are out of town contractors, a lot of cases. So that was probably one of our major areas that we had to uh, work on. So we've developed a system to notify people we're coming. We're going to be there in the next month. Here's what to look out for. And if you want to be specifically notified who's entering your property at any given time, let us know. We put that in our database and we share that database with our contractors. So, that was one of the one of the things that we really spent a lot of time on, but it's been very helpful to help ease our members' minds that here, here's why we're there and here's who these people are, but you're going to be a part of the communication. And so we communicate ahead of time that we're coming. Then we communicate when we get there. And then if we have to follow up with any kind of uh, service drops, you know, connecting their homes, obviously they're notified and scheduled appointments. So that was probably one of the bigger things that actually improved our services, both electrically and, and uh, fiber-wise as well. So that's been good. Now, some of the additional challenges uh, are from the outside agencies, whether that be ODOT, whether that be the Corps of Engineers, whether that be the, the state roads and highways people, uh, the railroads, whatever it may be. One quick story, we had a uh, bridge crossing across a lake that we needed to put fiber on that bridge to create a ring into one of our substations. And the, the Department of Transportation just shut us down. They wouldn't let us on the bridge. They said, no, we've got, we've got all the attachments to that bridge. We can stand. We can't put any more on that bridge. And we shared with them our drawings. We cha- shared with them what the, uh, the weight would be and, and a very small amount of weight added. They said, doesn't matter. You can't do it. So we were basically shut off from that pathway, which is the most inexpensive way to get there. And then we started making plans to go the long way around and actually build all the way around the lake, which is going to be very costly. And we happened to be in a meeting with some of the governor's staff late last year. And they asked, you know, what is your biggest challenge? And I shared with them that story. And it was quite amazing that that afternoon, the same day, that bridge crossing got approved by meeting with the governor's staff. So it's you know, sometimes you have to be persistent and you have to continue to work on it. But anytime you can get the agencies involved and the political figures involved, things change. And 
Of course, I think the pandemic helped that because everybody's screaming for internet. And we said, look, this would really help us. So that process that was a barrier and a roadblock got solved within a matter of hours, not days. And everybody fall in line. The Fish and Wildlife, the Corps of Engineers, the State Department of Transportation, everyone said, what do you need? We're, gonna, we're here to help you make this happen. And the doors just suddenly opened up. So you've got to remember that, that there's a lot of times that we have to rely on our political allies that we built relationships with over the years from an electric cooperative side, and they can too help with the fiber build out project. That's a great story, you know, and in overcoming these challenges that you've faced over, over the past few years and things are smoothing out. What are the milestones that you're hoping to chart for in 2021? Well, I mentioned we sh- we're going to hit 4,000 today. We haven't come to the end of January. So I hope we really are talking about somewhere north of 9,000 connected by the end of the year. That's a, one of our goals. Uh, of course, we want we really want to join that 10,000 club. And if we <laughs> could make that happen this year, that would be awesome. I don't know if we can stretch ourselves that much, but we're working on it every day. We're trying to increase the, uh, the number of signups and drops, working on that. But as we're building out and speeding up the project, that's another thing we're doing. We're already, this was going to be a six-phase project. Phase three will complete March of this year, and phase four will complete March of next year. And then by the end of 2023, phases five and six will be merged together. And we anticipate to be totally complete with our build out by end of year 2023, if not sooner. So we are speeding up. We're trying to respond to our members and get it to them as quickly as possible because there is such a need out there. And what would you say your most effective ways of communication are today with your members and getting the word out? Well, I I think it's just a combination of of word of mouth. Again, going back to this group of champions, we use them to, they're kind of the first responder, if you will. They're the ones that if anything's happening, they're going to get the information first. And then it goes to everybody else. So they're telling the stories. They're talking about how great this is and what they're able to do and how it's changed their lives. So I think it's that group. Communication is the key. You just got to keep pressing on that every day and telling the members what's going on, what's coming, and the fact that we are trying our best to speed up. We have had to remind them that we it took us 80 years to build this electric system, and we're going to replicate that in less than six. So that tries to put it in perspective that this is a massive project, and we're moving really fast, but it you know someone's going to be last, and we ask for their patience. So I think that's the most effective way is just to, you got to hit that communications effort every day, keeping people informed, putting out notices of who's getting turned up next, who's getting ready to sign up, you know, opening those feeders, opening those substations. Now with that, we've had to manage that process so that we don't kill the office from a phone perspective. So if we're going to open up a large substation that's got three or 4,000 members on it, we're staging that and, doing that over over several days just so we can keep up with the call volume because that is a huge task that gets put on the cooperative personnel that once you open those lines up they're so ready for it they're going to call you and it's just going to flood your telephones have you got your member services team and those who are really involved with speaking to your customers and in your members who are calling in about these services how have you really increased the team morale and, and people getting excited to be a part of this project and how's that also affected how everyone's working together and success for your project and for the future i mean i think our team is dedicated to the cooperative 
as I'm guessing every cooperative is this way, but I know ours is this way. Our employees are dedicated to provide the best service to our members that we can. So they were included and provided information. We shared with them all the devices that they see out in the field and what they do. And we spent some time educating employees. But as far as providing the services of answering the phones and and getting people signed up, I mean, that's just part of their daily task and routine. It is additional, though. I'll be honest, it, at the speed we're going, it has taxed our employees to meet that demand. But they are real troopers, and they, are, uh, they have really stepped up to meet that need uh, because they know it's for our members' benefit. That's what we're here for. We're, we only have one purpose in life as a co-op, and that's to serve our members. So they get that, they understand that, and they've been real troopers in stepping up and carrying that additional load. Well, that's great to hear. Kind of switching gears a little bit, Tim, you know, you're a repeat member of the Connect Sons Rural Electric Cooperative Consortium. In 2018, the CAF2 Connect America 2 Fund auction, your co-op was awarded $22 million. I believe that was what convinced your board to take the chance and build out a fiber network. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's, uh, that is true. Boards do what they're elected to do as fiduciaries of the cooperative, and they, they're required to pay attention to the business model to make sure that we're doing things that are going to uh, benefit the co-op, but we can also afford them. So yeah, the decision to actually go and jump through it and make this happen was driven because we won that $22 million. It changed our financial forecast from a profitability standpoint, from a eight-year profit point to around two years. So it made a whole lot more sense. And it's, it's done exactly what the model indicated, actually better. We did a report back to the board at year one as to how the project was proceeding against what was forecasted. And we actually had made further progress and actually came in under budget for that first year. So that was really good. That is a key point with all co-ops. You've got to do this. You only do this if it makes financial sense for your cooperative. And our board had taken care of things in the past, and we had built an equity level at the cooperative that allowed us to see a dip in our equity, but yet still be very strong financially. So we were a good candidate to do this because of that. On top of that, we were shored up or guaranteed this $22 million payment as a grant so that that grants are always better than loans and we don't have to worry about paying that back. But that helped us commit to our members that we're going to build this to everybody. Every one of our members will have access to this fiber network. We didn't leave anybody out. And that's also key and critical. Now, part of that explanation to the members was that not only are you going to have access to a fiber network for high-speed internet, but you're also going to see an improved and enhanced electrical system in a way that we can communicate with downline devices and manage outages much more efficiently, know where they're at, and move from outages to blink as we complete our smart grid. We've had numerous calls about, boy, I just, my lights don't blink anymore because right away is well taken care of. Every pole is being looked at. We have over 180,000 poles. They're all being inspected and anything that's questionable is getting changed. So we're upgrading facilities. We're taking care of the system. Our system is gonna be completely renovated and updated within five years. So that's a huge benefit in terms of quality of electric service. That all came into play when the board made this decision. How do we pay for it? 
How do the members benefit? Do the members really need it? So that's what drove that home for them to make that decision. You know, and then you recently won another $8.9 million through the uh, Rural Digital Opportunity Fund. What will be that impact of this funding on the business as you continue to move forward? When we applied and was successful in making that uh, and won that additional money, that's when the board says, now we speed up. So speeding up is the result of that win. We're still going to serve everybody. So that just allows us to go faster. So that was the primary result of that RDOP auction. In a way, it was extra on top because we'd already made the commitment that we're coming to everybody, but this just helps us get there faster. And can you kind of just talk through your overall, you know, funding journey, how that started, how the process went, you know, maybe challenges that that you went through during the process and working along with Connexon on that? Well, I, I mean, we talked to our lenders and we have multiple lenders. We use CFC and CoBank and we also borrow from RUS. So our funding process was let's figure out where can we get money from and what's that going to cost us. And more recently, once we got started, we were coming up on a new four-year work plan at the cooperative, uh, which we cooperatives do every year, every four years. And so we visited with RUS about our fiber build out and how that was going to really enhance the electric system and help us complete our smart grid initiative. And RUS recommended that we apply for our four-year work plan loan and include the fiber build in that work plan. And so we did that. And so now we're approved for the remainder of our project funding from RUS included in our four-year work plan. So that's the cheapest form of money that anybody can get. And that really helps the cooperative financially to be able to secure those low interest loans. But it, it's a combined effort that you've got to have some short-term loans. You've got to have some you know, emergency kind of money that you need quick. Because one thing we learned out of this, you spend a lot of money fast. And we weren't really accustomed to that on the electric side, the pace. And this pace is so much faster that we really had to switch gears in that respect and bring our, uh, our financial standing such that we could make a phone call and get the money immediately. And we did that through our other partners. And then we transitioned those loans over to RUS for our long-term savings. But yeah, the, the financial journey, you know, you've got to believe in the model. That's the other thing. I mean, we asked Connexon to run models for us. We really tested those to determine, are we really making the right assumptions? And most, I guess every category, they were using the assumptions that are similar to what we do every day. And that's conservative. We don't go out here and promise the, the world on these things. We, we budget, budget conservatively and the models were built conservatively. So our board felt comfortable with that. And that's where, as we have moved through these years, uh, we have outperformed that model, whether it be make ready construction per mile or whether it be our interest rates on our loans or whether it be our take rate. You know, we had a forecast that we would have about 10 to 15% at the gigabit level, well, we're exceeding 30% at the gigabit level. So that really helps your financial models as well. So just the one thing that, that we saw, and it's proven that the Connexon model that we used, it was built on a conservative side, which we really like that. And then our challenge is let's, let's beat it if we can. And we're working hard every day to, to do that. You know, I know that 
you were in the in the consortium for both of uh, the auctions for the CAF2 and for the Ardoff auction. So how did you feel about the end results of this auction coming out of it? I know you all did well. You still, you know, every little penny counts, but how did you feel about the end of this auction, you know, versus the last? Well, the last auction, CAF2, we were, we won just a, probably close to 45% of what we were eligible for. And we were very pleased with that. This last one, it was about 26% of what we're eligible for. So as far as the results of the auction, we would have liked to have been able to win at a higher percentage, but there was other factors that everybody's aware of that came in. And we understand that. As far as the process of understanding the bidding process and the, the whole grind of going through the auction felt very comfortable with the leadership that we received from the Connexon group that had been through these types of things before. So we, we really didn't have to experience a huge learning curve there. We just had to learn to trust the folks that had done it before. And that proved out very well. So although we would have loved to have won more money, we're thankful for what we did win. And, you know, the process of the Connexon team helping us through that was so much easier than if I'd had to learn how to do that by myself, that would have been tragic. Yeah. And you touched there on that. And, you know, is there any other advantages that you think that are good about being a part of the Connexon Rural Electric Cooperative Consortium? Well, it kind of goes back to the whole fabric of how cooperatives have got to where we are today. Friends helping friends, neighbor helping neighbor, joining together to be bigger than we can be individually. So the consortium in that respect allowed us to be included and be involved with multiple co-ops and that because we were in the same group, we could still have some conversation during the, during that process. So we didn't feel like we were shut out and couldn't make progress about tomorrow's plans or next week's plans. We could still do some of that planning with those because we were members with our neighbors in the consortium. So I, I do think the consortium makes a lot of sense. Why go into battle by yourself when you can join with others? And that's been the cooperative way of life for years. And uh, it's a great concept. You know, to kind of touch a little bit on that, you know, speaking of kind of joining together as a group, just even from a buying power perspective, right? When you're trying to build these networks, you're trying to deploy them in the most efficient way and then drive down the cost as much as you can to really make it, make the co-op whole in the end and the members as well. So can you kind of speak to working with Connexon, having worked with Connexon for over the past few years, kind of the difference you see in from the initial starting to work with Connexon and as they've grown and more cooperatives have joined together, how that's really helped the costs of your overall project from a material standpoint, equipment standpoint, and any other areas that you could think of? We certainly, the Connexon team had put together some pricing structures for the consortium members that we've all benefited from. You know, there's a chance that we might could negotiate the same deals on our own, but that's a chance. It was already set up. It was already agreed to. So it was easier to join in and, and be able to receive those discounts right up front. Along with that, though, we have a bidding process for materials and for labor that we've used for years. And Connexon was very helpful in helping us evaluate fiber bidders and fiber materials to make sure that we're actually buying what we should be buying and not being familiar with this industry. They became a very active part of that process to get us set up and get us going. So yes, they brought the expertise to help with bids from a consultant standpoint, but yes, there was a lot of things that uh, price advantages that we received 
by joining together and having a, such a large group nationwide going to these vendors and saying, we're going to be involved in all of these states and helping drive that cost down. So it just helps the financial model also so that we can all be beneficiaries of the cooperatives joining together in this consortium. You know, Tim, we're, we're trying to also collect best practices from co-op leaders. And at this point, you're one of the most seasoned CEOs deploying broadband. To that end, what advice would you have for co-op CEOs and general managers considering broadband deployment? I would suggest that you network with your neighbors, the ones that you're the closest to that are already doing this. I, I think I can't say that enough. Before we started, we talked to our neighbors that had a year or two of experience ahead of us, and we learned from them what they did and what worked and what didn't work. And that helped us get started. And then from there, we've continued to learn eat with each other. We've developed a, a statewide group now within, the, within Oklahoma that we compare notes, we share ideas, we share process so that we can help one another sharpen that saw, get better at what we're doing every day. So I think the network of cooperatives working with each other, which is the core principle, cooperation among cooperatives, we do it in storm recovery in half for years. This is no different. So don't feel like you've got to fight that battle by yourself. Reach out to others that have gone down this path ahead of us. And I know in our case, we willingly share process and procedures that we've developed to help us. And we continually look at others to see if they have a better process or procedure to make it better and easier as we go. So helping your neighbor or reaching out to your neighbor for help or, or advice is paramount. It's just the way to do it. And that's the one advantage we have over anyone else that we have this network that we can engage with and use as a resource. All the other companies, they don't talk to their competitors because they don't want them to take their business, but we don't view each other as competitors. We view each other as helping one another. So please reach out to people that have done this before, learn from them, uh, share ideas with them. Will this work? Will that work? What did you do here? How did you handle this? That continual dialogue is so valuable to someone new starting out or even those that have been down the path. Uh, we learn from everybody. So I think that's the strength of our organizations. And I think it shows itself again on the fiber side that you can use those same tools that we've used on the electric side and it helps minimize errors. It helps minimize cost. It helps us all get to the end goal quicker and we're all stronger as a result of it. That, that's great feedback. And are there any closing thoughts that you have about your broadband journey that you'd like to share before we go? I guess the one that ticks the most with me is, again, we're here for one reason, and that's to serve our members, provide them with services they can't get from anywhere else. So when you read the comments or you see the stories or they come up to you at a meeting and they personally thank you for what we're doing, it's got to be. I wasn't around when the lights first came on, but it's got to be the same kind of feeling because it makes you, it re-energizes you every day. This is not easy. It's hard work. But when you get those stories and you get that feedback, it has to be like it was back in the late 30s, early 40s when they first got electricity on the farm. And that just increases our drive, our dedication. It helps us understand that we're here for one reason, that's to serve the member. And it's very rewarding. It's not easy. And one, one of the early managers that had done fiber before us had told me, he said, don't do it if you think it's easy. It, it's not easy. 
but it, your members will benefit by it tremendously. So I would say, look at the models very closely, study the financials. And if you're not able to do it today, don't give up. There may be a way to do it tomorrow. There may be another program. There may be another auction. There may be another financial resource. So look for every way you can to help your members experience high-speed internet in rural America because we're all going to need it more and more every day, whether it's through distance learning, telemedicine, business ventures, economic development, whatever it might be. The need is out there, and there's no reason for rural America to be left out again like they tried to leave us out back in their late 30s, early 40s. So I would encourage you to, to just continue to look for ways to make this happen. Now, if you can't do it, don't do it. I don't, don't do something that's going to wreck the co-op. Make sure that the models are positive for you. Make sure that the members can't get it any other way and make sure you can make it work financially. You don't want it to bankrupt the co-op because no one wants that. No one needs that. So that, that's what I would think. It's really a good thing. It makes you, your members really appreciate you because you're doing something they couldn't get anywhere else. So it's been a great ride for us so far. And, and we're looking for the day that we get that last mile built and, Everyone is, has access, and then we will continue to work to sign up people beyond that. We're still going back to phase one and signing up people every day, and, and that's going to happen for time to come. It's kind of like a rural water system. The day they put the water line in, not everybody was signed up, but 10 years later, that water line was at capacity, and they'd signed up everybody that they could because people see the need. I'm glad we got into it. I told our board the other day, I said, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would we be doing broadband? I would have told you absolutely not. But now that we're doing it, I'm glad that we're doing it. I see the tremendous benefit that it brings to our members. And that drives the next question, where are we going to be 10 years from now? I have no idea, but I think because of broadband, there's going to be a lot of different things coming our way that we're going to need to serve electrically. And we may be doing other things along with, with the broadband at some point. So opportunity brings other opportunities. So don't be afraid of that either. Well, I look forward to 10 years from now, catching up with you all and seeing where you're at and celebrating all those milestones along the way. You know, we appreciate all your hard work and, and your, the co-ops work that you all are doing for your membership and are happy to be a part of your journey. And I know we don't have any more time today, but Tim, I wanted to thank you so much for your time. And also thanks to all the listeners. We hope you tune in again for our next episode of Co-ops Connect. Thank you for listening. Co-Ops Connect is brought to you by Connexon, the industry leader in rural fiber network design and construction management. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email us, marketing at connexon.us with your suggestions or for more information on how we support electric co-ops deploying broadband. 